Hi, Sex and the City fans. Megan McKeever here. Check out my podcast, Cosmos and the City, where I'll be watching through the entire series of Sex and the City with a slew of fabulous guests. Each week, we'll be talking through everything from who wore what and why to the hottie of the week. So grab a drink and join me on my journey. Thanks, and be sure to subscribe to Cosmos and the City in iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the second year of Improv Obsession Podcast. Is that sentence confusing? I don't know. I am your host, Stephen Perlstein. First, I want to thank the two new people who left iTunes feedback, Jonathan 900 and Eric Cunningham. Eric is actually the writer of a new video for my UCBLA beta team. We're called Muddleberry. Uh, he wrote a new video. It's hilarious. You can find it at UCB Comedy's YouTube. It's called Washington Senators for Washington. It's got Dave Tooney, Julie Brister, Johnny Meeks. It's a really funny piece. Go check it out if you can. Uh, um, hey, since I'm also asking you for things, why don't I ask you to go ahead and rate and subscribe to the show in iTunes, like it on Facebook, and follow the Tumblr at improvobsession.com. That's great. Uh, this is the episode with Alex Berg. You know him and love him, and today he's going to prep you for Herald auditions even more than Neil Campbell did last week. You guys getting ready for Herald auditions? You know... Honestly, this is like my favorite time of the year because suddenly everybody wants to practice and I get to practice like I get to practice today, tomorrow, Thursday. I'm getting way more practice than I normally get and I love it. Next year, I'm hoping to practice like it's Herald auditions coming up all the time. Um, Or maybe, you know, what? I'll just get into like 10 groups again. Anybody have any openings on their team? Hmm. Yeah. Let me know. Okay. What am I talking about? Let's start the show. Alex Burke. Here we go. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome, nope, those levels are too high, I'm just going to start again. Hey everybody, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast, I'm your host Stephen Pearlson today, special guest to returning guest, Alex Berg, hello. Hey, how you doing man? I am so good, you don't have to get that close, No, I no, no, you, you always sit back here? You, you, you don't have to, I mean if you want to get that close to the microphone, <laughs> no, you can, right. but it's, it's, it's fine. It's cool, it's cool. Um, uh, welcome back. Thank you sir, thank you for having me back. Uh, this is, um, you were the second guest ever on my podcast, mm. uh, and now you are the first guest in my second year of the podcast. Hey, there you go. So, I feel like in a weird way that's appropriate. It's a two for year one and one for year two. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You I like the it. symmetry there. Yeah, uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so, uh, so yeah. This time, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, Harold editions, just generally, uh, and see what we get into from there. Um, so, I guess to start it off with, I did I already, I already recorded with Neil Campbell. Uh, we got some, we got we covered some great stuff. He told me who's going to get on. Uh, mm-hmm. He said whoever gives him the most money gets on a Herald. Yeah, team. that's generally how it works. We have a, a pretty good uh, grift system going at the theater. It's, so. it's genius. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that all the money goes to him, and that feels like you're getting screwed a little bit. Well, uh, you know, the Herald Committee gets a bit of a payback in that there is a pizza party at the end of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's pizza and root beer. Um, no alcoholic beverages allowed. But, yeah. Well, it's a theater policy. But yeah. it's pretty good pizza. It's not great pizza, but it's pretty good. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, it's it's a solid B minus. Yeah, like Domino's with as many toppings as you want. I like that. So, That's yeah. good. Uh, well, for, for just, um, I feel like a lot of people know that, this whole thing, but... Then again, I'm surprised at the stuff that people don't know. Let's just talk about what the audition is. Uh, sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, for, first uh, first thing that people are signing up for, uh, probably have already signed up for after this has gone out, but what, yeah, what is the first round of auditions? So, the first round of auditions, and I want to start this off with the caveat that uh, I forget from year to year oh, do you exactly really? what we do. I really do. Wow. Um, 
it's such a scarring experience. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my my memory of it it's is that in the first round of auditions, uh, we'll go through and have people do um, a first beat and I think a second beat in the first round of auditions. Oh, I'm gonna. Is this I, not true. I don't think this is true. I might be. I might be remembering callbacks. Yeah, I think you're remembering okay, callbacks. I think I'm thinking of callbacks. Then. So I think the first round. <laughs> Fill me in. Oh, I should. I should know this for next week or whatever. Uh, I, it is. Feel, I feel weird. I don't think I've ever had to say like, no, that's not correct on the show. Uh, what what it's what I what what's been in the yeah, past. What did and what Neil, Neil said yeah. was that it uh, uh, it's eight people. They do a. Uh, they get a suggestion or input, uh, and they A to C off of it down the line, left yeah. to right, whatever. Uh, and it's then like a those... single, like a single line pattern. Game. Yeah, exactly. Then they repeat it, uh, and then they do two person scenes with the idea that hopefully you initiate one, and hopefully you receive one initiation. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I agree one hundred percent. Great. Um, yeah, and yeah, okay, yeah. Now I remember because yeah, in the first round, because some people stress out because sometimes they wind up not initiating, not initiating any of them, or mm-hmm. accidentally initiating two. And you know, uh, I don't think you can accidentally initiate two. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, some people have like that real itchy like initiation foot. You know, yeah. like like I if there's ever a second of hesitation, I'm like the first one off the back line because yeah. I can't stand the silence. But uh, no, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think like the big thing that we always say to people for that first round is um, you know in a perfect world everybody will initiate one and respond to one initiation if that winds up not happening if you you know if someone double initiates or, or you're one of those people double initiates like that's not the end of the world like you know that's it's not like if that happens to you you're we're gonna look at that and go like automatically off or, or yeah. anything like that um, uh, and like I think the big thing that like, I know, like, in years past, like, certainly two years ago, this was the case, and I think we made a point to, to teach our way out of it with the curriculum uh, in between, uh, so it was less the case last year. But I think that a big thing is people really sort of try to – people a lot of times try to put the, 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 the burden of the work of the scene onto their scene partner when they initiate. Like, you know, you'll get a lot of initiations where, you know, the structure of it is such and such as where it's like, um, oh, you're this super crazy person who's crazy in all these ways, you sure. know, which on the one hand is great because it's gift giving and we wholeheartedly encourage gift giving. Yeah. On the other hand, I think in an audition environment where, you know, you're a lot of times playing with people who you don't know and you don't have a rapport with, I think kind of what it winds up doing is, is throwing the other person under the bus a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's that fine line between gifting and Ending, right? I mean, yeah, you know, and I think like you know the the super strong players can handle it, but I think a lot of the people who are, would maybe be on the cusp otherwise get thrown by it, you know. And so something that we started trying to make a point of teaching um, after having seen a lot of that at auditions a few years ago uh, was like if if you do have an initiation where you have like a really solid idea for a character game that's going to drive the scene take that character game on yourself, you know, like rather than saying to someone like, oh, you're a crazy produce vendor who, you know, always drops his plums or something like yeah. that. Like, start off dropping your own plums and that sounds foul. But, sure. uh, <laughs> but you know, start off dropping your own plums and, and take it from there. Um, you yeah. know, and the other thing, and I think this is more of just like a general note, but... Uh, we are not idiots on the Herald Committee, at least not intentionally. Uh, and I think that sometimes people worry that we are idiots and that if they're not the ones who are making, like, the big crazy moves that we won't notice 
good improv that's more subtle. Yeah. And uh, that's flat out not the case. Uh, I can think of a lot of auditions from last year and the year before where uh, specifically we would pay attention to the straight man and be like, wow, that person was able to drive the game forward even though they were a straight man. You know, like uh, I think people who do a really great job uh, grounding their partner's ridiculous game by giving it a realistic response and treating it in a real grounded way uh, get absolutely as much, if not more, attention than the people who are making like the big crazy wacky moves. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's easy to, especially uh, maybe this is uh, uh, a symptom of be- maybe being a little bit more new at improv, uh, not in any type of condescending way, but it's it's easy to notice and uh, appreciate. The people who are doing the bigger, crazy, are getting all the laugh lines. Uh, whereas a little bit later, when you start seeing some like people who are the straight men are just like silently, quietly pushing the game forward and delivering a lots of setups for people to to be hilarious on, or, or you know, even just yeah, like you said, responses and stuff like that. Uh, that's a, that's impressive in its own way because it's, yeah. it's 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 own to me. I think it's almost harder than being. Funny. I don't know. I think straight harder. manning is incredibly difficult, you know, and I look at, you know, I look at like Jason Bateman on Arrested Development or Dave Foley in pretty much anything Dave Foley's ever done, you know. As, uh, Neil, Neil cited those exact oh, really? same two examples. Yeah. Well, so, man, I am. So, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm one for two. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I really one. think like when you. Uh, you know, nothing is wacky in a vacuum, you mm-hmm. know, and I think I think you can only have something that's wacky or something that's unusual uh, in contrast to something that is usual. And I think the power of a straight man is to provide that context. And I think a lot of people get so caught up in, uh, you know, that more active mode of gameplay where it's like, well, this is the unusual thing. We're driving the unusual thing, you know, like this is like the big next unusual thing that happens. That they forget that there's another just as valid and just as important mode of gameplay wherein you're establishing the context for what makes that thing unusual. And you have great power in establishing context. You know, yeah. the uh, an example I use sometimes in my classroom is... You know, if a uh, if someone were to kick down the door, like if we were like an artworks annex or something like that, and the door were to splinter into shards, and you know a man were to walk into the room that had uh, you know like octopus tentacles for arms and lobster claws on the end of his arms, you know, and was like yeah. this big crazy like mutant dude, I think that we would all agree that he was super unusual. Unless we also all had octopus arms and lobster claws, you know, like, and so it's just one of those things, like, even something that's really insane isn't all that insane if you look at it from a certain context. And I think the the, the job of a straight man is to really set up the context for what the crazy person in the scene is doing. Yeah. Well, uh, just uh, that insane thing, I always, I, I wonder what you guys feel about this. Are you looking for people, I mean, how do you feel about people who go into auditions uh, and maybe swing really hard and do things like the uh, the lobster octopus tentacle arm characters, or I mean, you know, uh, yeah, or, or like the 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 murder rape uh, scenes, uh, sure. the big stuff. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Like there, there's I'm sure there's some people who go and kind of feel like uh, feeling oh I need to impress, but there's I'm sure there's also people like oh I need to do a big scene and I don't know I, I don't know I wonder what, what, how you guys feel about that well you know I, I think ultimately it depends on the execution we sure. we definitely get a couple people every year who <laughs> very clearly have thought up some amazing scene on the way to the audition yeah. and will sort of like drop the initiation and like tweak it a little bit to try to fool us into thinking it came off that like single single word like pattern game sure. uh 
and uh, it, it you know we see through it pretty easily um and while we admire the thought and work people put into it it's kind of mm-hmm. counter to the point if you're planning your improv audition before you get there well i mean if they do it every herald if they can consistently do it before every herald night <laughs> right right like uh, get together and really out, script yeah, it out well really get it yeah i mean but no you have to i think you have to do it on your own and then force it and make it look good. I mean, I, I remember two years ago, I can't even remember the scene, but I just remember there was one scene where a dude stepped off the back line and initiated something, and instantly everybody in the room, everyone on the committee and everyone on the back line was just like, this is this is very clearly like a premeditated thing that this guy thought wow. of. And like, as a sketch, maybe it would have been okay. Maybe I would give it a B, you know? <laughs> but as an improv scene, it just, it really, it failed to capture what was true in the moment because nice. it was false in the moment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of people like coming in and swinging for the fences, I think more so than swinging for the fences, what we like is people who make strong choices, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes people misinterpret that and think that a strong choice has to be an insanely big choice. Yeah. But, you know, I think a strong choice can be something very simple and very small. You know, I remember a uh, Smokes show from, oh God, probably like a year or two ago at this point. And it's, it was such a small moment, but it always stood out to me as a great example of choice making. Um, Lennon Parham was uh, sitting in with them that night or might have been part of the team at that point. I can't remember. It was before BFF. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were doing a mono scene in a bowling alley. And so I think Wenger came in off the back line and was just like... Uh, as you know, like Stacy, there's a phone call for you, and she goes, "Who's it from?" And he goes, "Alan." And Lennon just flipped out, like she just started going, "Oh my god!" You know, like being so excited, and like that wasn't like a really weird choice. Like for someone to be excited about a phone call is not that weird of a choice at all. Yeah. But she she made that that emotional choice, and she really committed to it in a way that that made it really funny. You know, mm-hmm. and the choice, you know, uh, there's there's an Amy Poehler quote that I'm probably butchering, but the 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 gist of it is that the choice you make is not nearly so important as the fact that you make a choice. And I think that a lot of people conflate those two. And a lot of people think like, well, I'm going to make like a really funny choice rather than make just a clear choice and do something funny with it. Yeah, that's... um, uh, That distinction is... uh, Or like, I feel like when I sort of realized it in the, you know, doing improv, I'm like, oh, right. It's not exactly... Uh, what specific ideal out? It's how I how I give out that specific whatever that choice is, and then continue with it. And that's and yeah, like if you can yeah if you can commit to even something that's not that big of a deal, but make it follow through. Like oh, I'm excited that Alan's calling. They're yeah. like yeah, that will probably work. You'll pr- at least at least that adds something to the scene. It adds it give, informs a lot of people. Whereas um, I think it's it, you'd be generally easier to go okay. Give me the phone. Right. Yeah. You know, you know I think I like defer, defer that choice. Because, yeah, I mean, ultimately, as much as we, we all like improv is about making choices and all that and saying yes and all that stuff, there's a little bit of part of us where we're like, all right, hold on. If I can just figure out what the right thing is, yeah, it'll you know, be easier. Yeah, I, I think people, you know, I think what happens when people too, put too much stress on making a funny choice instead of committing to just a simple choice is you wind up with, like, the classic, like, heightening of, like, Jesus the President in outer space, you know? Yeah. Because those are situations that people inherently think are high stakes and therefore must be funnier or things must matter more. When, like, you know, I think that if you focus too much on that stuff, you sort of lose track of what's actually real in the scene, which for me is the emotional content of the scene. I think that, you know... No matter where you're doing improv, you're going to be doing it more or less in a black box theater, you know, if you have that much. And, you know, like probably max, you'll have two chairs on stage with you. And no matter what you do on stage, you can have, you know, this amazing idea for a scene where, 
you know, you have uh, Robespierre and the the other members of the you know French Revolution riding on a roller coaster that's fueled by blowjobs and going from <laughs> here into a black hole or something like that. Like that sounds like a real fun, wacky. Well, that sounds like an okay time, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I think no matter what what you have going on in that window dressing, like the audience still has to imagine all of that. The only thing that's going to be really real for the audience that's as real in their lives as it is to the lives of the character on stage is uh, the emotional content of how those characters are reacting to the world around them. And I think that goes back to the issue of straight manning and making sure you have that strong reaction. And I think for me, it ties into the core of game, uh, which for me is emotional heightening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You always, I took, uh, took one of your advanced days. That was always a big thing. You talked about penis dragons and vagina dragons yes, and that yes, yes, yes. ultimately, yeah, it's one one. Can not be more heightened really than the other until we react to it in a more heightened way. Exactly. Although every single one of my students will argue me that vagina dragons are more unusual. Mm-hmm. I, I, I call that gender bias. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily true. But uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's hard. To, it's hard to uh, win with these theories. People. Mm-hmm. People love to argue about improv. Yeah. Um, okay. I. Uh, how about this? I want to. I did. I've done uh, play, a number of improv auditions. Uh, and and the most recent one I did, I got in the most confusing situation I've ever been in. Um, uh, did someone touch you in your bathing suit area? Yes, someone touched my bathing. <laughs> Actually, that's worse. Let's just say, let's just say real quick. Don't do that. Just, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah, no, none of we're that. Gonna, we're going to put those rules. Yeah, on. We will <laughs> not tolerate fucking creeps. Just... Let alone reward them with places <laughs> on house teams. <laughs> um, I got I got a guy to straight deny things that I said four times. In, really? In, in, in a matter of like. 40 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't, I genuinely, I, like, I was, I remember I was like, okay, he just didn't like that one for whatever reason. And then the second one, I'm like, wow, this guy's really, okay, I'm going to try to do something. I'm going to give him a really simple thing, like a name. Won't take the name. And I don't even remember what the last thing I did. And I, after, after he denied the fourth thing, I was like, well, fuck me. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I got, <laughs> uh, and I felt, I felt like, God, I don't. I don't imagine something like that would happen. Uh, You'd in be auditions. surprised, honestly. People people really do sort of get in their heads a little bit about like this is my time to shine, and therefore my ideas have to be the ones that come through. Yeah, and I think that fuels a lot of that kind of, of play. And like something I'm constantly telling my students is like. Your ideas are dirt cheap, like, and that's not like any individual student, and that's not to say that the student body is idiots or, or anything of the yeah. sort. That's just like most of the time when you're arguing for an idea in the scene, like, in fact, all the time when you're arguing for an idea in a scene, it's not like some idea that you came up with in college and you like slept on for years and you've been like nursing and massaging and being like, well, I have to cut my teeth on other projects before right. I can become talented enough to execute this. Like, it's not that idea that's your baby. It's literally something that popped into your head max 30 seconds ago that you thought was funny that people tend to fight for. Yeah. And that's insane to me. <laughs> you know, like, I think once you accept the, the theory that your ideas are dirt cheap and if you are willing to throw out the ideas in your head for the ideas that exist on stage, that sort of behavior falls away. Now, if that happens to you, that's of cold comfort. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, I think that, you know, the thing to do if someone denies you in a scene is to, for me, I, I, I think it depends on the situation. For me, I have great fun in making a game out of it. You know, like, yeah. going like, did you want some apple juice? No, that's right. You probably want something else that I haven't <laughs> named yet, you know? Or, um, or I think just, like, toss them the ball, you know? Like, I, I think, you like, call their bluff and be like, okay, what do you want to do? Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the one thing that you can't do is try to fight them. You know, I I think even if you're, you know, quote unquote in the right, because you're the one who's been denied, I think that you don't get anywhere by continuing the argument. And I think you're going to be better served to 
try to take their denials that they're making as a performer and treat them as if they're denials that that character is making and then try to make a character game for them out of it. Yeah. You know, uh, but I think that nobody wins if you get sort of caught up in the, the pissing match of like, no, it is apple juice you're drinking, you know, or, or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky scenario, but you know, the good thing is like the people who are watching Herald auditions have all done that scene a million times, you know, and some of us have been to jams and had to do that scene recently, you know, yeah. and we recognize when that's going on. And I think rather than get in your head about like, oh, fuck, this scene is crashing because my scene partner's denying me. Look at it as an opportunity to show how well you can do in the face of adversity, you know, and like take that as an op that sounded that made improv sound like way tougher than it is. Oh, it's, it's not like tough. it's real tough. It's not like being a black woman in 1960s <laughs> Alabama or anything. But, you know, um, uh, but I think, like you know, really like take that moment. That feels like an adverse person to be in that place in time. No, no, I'm just, I'm just imagining uh, the the books and films about the improv guy. He's like, man, I got to nine my purses. <laughs> yeah, I know. He like takes people, it way too seriously. People need to hear my story. A denial on stage is the equivalent of a police aimed fire hose. Yeah, um, very much it. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think in that moment, like rather than than get in your head and be like, oh fuck, the scene's tanking, my audition's screwed, you know, or, yeah. or something like that, like. Look at it as an opportunity to go like, okay, well, let's let's show that I can work with this. Let's show that I can work around this. Let's show that there's nothing that can be thrown at me on stage that's gonna that's gonna make me break or make you know really throw me for a loop. And yeah. I think if you do it in that in that sort of mindset, then you have an opportunity to shine as opposed to just you know getting in your head and sinking. Yeah. Um. All right, I like it. Um. What about? I mean, I, I feel like people get really just generally nervous about this yeah. uh, whole thing. Um. I don't know, any 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 tips or things uh, on to not do that or yeah, not be you know, so. I think that people place a really heightened importance on being on a, a herald team, and mm. I think that uh, while it's certainly fun to be on a house team, I think that people place too much of an importance on it, and I think that they put so much importance on being on a herald team or getting into advanced study that they forget why they've started doing this in the first place, which is that it's fun, you know, yeah. like, and I think if you take it too seriously, it stops being fun, you know? So I, I think like the, the real advice is like, be happy with what you're doing and where you are, you know, which is perhaps easier to say than it is to do. But I think if you go into Herald auditions being like, you know what, I'm an improviser. I feel like these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses. And Herald teams are one of many options available to me to have an opportunity to work on those strengths and, and weaknesses in front of a crowd, then you'll do fine because yeah. you'll be relaxed about it. I think if you're a performer who goes into it saying, like, I need to be on a Herald team, otherwise I won't be happy with myself as an improviser, yeah. then I think you're putting too much pressure on it, you know? <laughs> like, Herald teams are ultimately just one of a thousand options available to students right now where you can uh, perform in front of a crowd and get notes from a coach regularly, you know? like, And I'll point to um, you know, like any number of the indie nights that have started springing up around town where it's just a group of people who wanted a weekly show. And so they started doing a weekly show and renting out a space and inviting their friends. And, you know, like some of those people take it super seriously and have coaches and get notes and stuff. And, you know, others just fuck around a little bit more. But I think so long as you're looking at it like this is an opportunity for me to have fun and maybe Herald teams would be more fun, great. If you're looking at it in terms of like, my career or my sense of self-worth, you know, rests on me being put on a team, it's, it, you're going to make it very difficult on yourself. 
you know and i think also the thing to remember is like it's gotten very competitive you know like it's not something that we're thrilled about you know we would love it if everybody who went through the uh, class program could be on a house team you know as soon as they finished 401 or something like that but last year we had almost 400 people audition and i think we took maybe 20 you know yeah. which is roughly five percent i think mm -hmm. uh and this year we're expecting to have even more audition really? and i could not tell you as an active member of the Herald Committee how many spots we have available because the fact of the matter is we won't know until after callbacks. Yeah. You know, so I think when people put this heightened importance on it, it's, uh, I just think it's kind of a bummer because I think it sort of takes away what the fun part of it is and it focuses too much on what like that competitive part that none of us really enjoy aspect of it is. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I just had, I had Renee on a little bit. Uh, Gube uh, from uh, from John Velvet, you know, uh, he uh, and we we're talking. We we're talking a little bit about this, and um, uh, I think I think sometimes people put that, yeah, that like, oh, I need that. I really need to get on the yeah. Herald team. And or it's, it's understandable. That. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that that's like an idiotic thing or anything. No. It's completely understandable. I did the exact same thing when I was a student. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's like. I think it's a like equivalent to like really caring about whether or not you win cage match this week. You know, yeah. like it's like no, no, no. The point is that you get to do a fun show. You right. know, like it's not. You know, it shouldn't be about this like stamp of approval or something like that. Well, on the on the other on the other hand, though, like I, I was saying that I've I've been feeling lately very um, complacent in everything. Mm -hmm. I'm like I've got a cool team that I improvise with, and I've got a cool sketch team that I work with, uh, and I got this podcast where I get to talk to people about improv, mm -hmm. and I love doing that. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. And in and a, and a weird way, in a weird way, I think there there is there's that feeling which is great, and I, I like holding on to that. But then also, like you said, like with all the indie nights and all that stuff, I'm like, oh right, I'm not doing enough. Like there are there are three shows a night. Maybe I need to be doing all of those shows, and then also practicing. And and so I don't know. Like I, I guess I guess I'm just uh, let's form this into a question. Uh, how I mean, how do you feel about like finding the balance and stuff? Like. It is ultimately do you feel like oh yeah you do need to be that guy who's constantly grinding or 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 is there uh, the other end of it I don't know no I, I think <laughs> I think uh, you know I, I had a student actually just uh, two nights ago in my advanced study uh, you know we were we were shooting the shit during the break and you know he was saying he's been feeling a little bit burnt out lately because he's doing boot camp and has three practice groups a week plus performances yeah. plus he's in I think two classes like yeah. just an amazing and incredible amount of improv like and he was just saying he's he's overdone it and he's, he's burnt out a little bit you know and I think the important thing and there's no hard and fast recipe for this I think everyone just has to be really honest with themselves is to not burn yourself out you know if it starts if when you go to your rehearsal and it starts to feel like an obligation instead of something you're looking forward to then maybe you should consider like not being with that group anymore you know yeah. like likewise if you're signed up for so many shows that it gets to be time for a show and you're like oh fuck i have to go to manifesto tonight then like yeah. you shouldn't have signed up for that show you Damn know you like david christensen <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh yeah i i would like to get out a very important message of fuck david christensen um, <laughs> but um but uh you know i i think i think it's important for everybody to just be really honest with themselves and find their balance and like you know for me like i used to do more 
sketch stuff. And then, you know, I just sort of realized that sketch is actually like really stressful for me. It takes a yeah. lot, a uh, lot more time investment than improv, um, you know, lot. a lot more financial investment than improv. Yeah. Um, there's something that's much more stressful to me about writing sketch than, than there is about improv. Like it's very satisfying when it would pulls off, but it's a long deferral of that enjoyment between when you first have the idea and when you actually get to yeah. perform it in, in front of a crowd. I've been doing sketch a lot more lately and uh, we uh, what, I, what I feel like what stresses me out about sketch way more than improv is that ultimately there are there are things that are right like we, we, like there's the way that the show is supposed to go mm-hmm. uh, and like when things don't go exactly how it's supposed to you're like well uh, we kind of lost already. We, we I did a show last I had a sketch show last night, and they didn't play our intro video, and like this, it just started. I'm like, I don't think everybody's ready, and like, I was like yeah, ah, ah, and it's just like, and then I remember, yeah, I was thinking in that moment, I'm like, this doesn't matter, who cares? But but you because you build it up, like you've been work, like you say, you work on it, and the the payoff is so like long down the road that when it finally comes and it doesn't go perfect, you're like, oh, yeah. that hurts. And I mean, the fact of the matter is that's a very good feeling for people to get used to if they're interested in a career in entertainment because it's basically <laughs> just a series of, you know, pouring your heart into something for several years then having a series of executives tell you no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but, we'll talk about Lennon and Best Friends forever. Yeah. Was, yeah, was, yeah. I mean, BFF's a great example. Like, that show was fucking great. That and, show was great. You know, I'm not super close with uh, uh, Lennon or Jess, but um, uh, I'm, I'm good friends with uh, Luca Jones, who yeah. played, um, you know, the husband. Yeah, and I remember good. even just for him, just the casting process took forever. I mean, that was dragged out over like six months, you know, yeah. and he got it. And then they shot six episodes and canned it, you know, like, <laughs> and now he's on uh, up all night, so he's doing okay. But, yeah. you know, um, but it's, you know, for me, like, there's certain aspects of comedy that are very tough and very stressful. And I think that there's a certain uh, mindset, certainly among uh, people who haven't been doing it for very long where it's say yes to everything, accept every project someone throws at you, be on every team you get asked to join and that sort of thing. And, you know, while I don't think that's necessarily wrong, I do think it is kind of misguided. And I think rather than joining every team you're asked to join, join the ones you're excited about playing with, you know, like rather than, you know, accepting uh, every invite to work on every show you get invited to, like really be critical with yourself and be like, well, is this a show that I would enjoy working with? Are these people who challenge me? Is this a situation where I will be, you know, growing as a performer and a writer and a comedian? Or is this a situation where I'm going to be preaching to the choir and I'm going to be, you know, making really easy jokes for six months, you know? And I think if it's a situation where you're not growing or it's a situation where you're bored by it or you feel obligated to do it, then, you know, you owe it to yourself and to the other people on the team to not waste their time and yours by by doing that stuff. Yeah, uh, I probably a year ago when I started this podcast, uh, I was I was on like six or seven teams mm-hmm. uh, who like practiced and all. And it, and yeah, it got it got exactly it gets to the point where you're like, oh, I have to go to practice. And uh, yeah, and, that, and the stress of that, it's like, sure, maybe that maybe that's good for you. But it's probably not, probably not in that you're like so not excited about doing it, especially comedy stuff. But it's also not really great for the other people on the team when you're like, ah, these guys again. Yeah, if you're you know? always showing up to practice like stressed or like it's very clear that you're just barely sandwiching that in between other things and you're, yeah. you're sort of giving the bare minimum to your team, like it doesn't benefit anybody, you yeah. know? And that's not to say that. You know, I, I don't want people to take the cavalier attitude of like, well, I don't feel like rehearsing this week, so I'm just going to fucking bail, fuck it, you know, or something yeah. like that. Like, that's shitty. You know, once you commit to a team, you should be committed to them, but you should only commit to teams that you're happy committing to, you yeah. know? Like, I never understood on sitcoms why, 
You know, like, it's always, you know, I feel like the classic sitcom setup is, like, schlubby stand-up comedian with super hot wife who feels, you know, increasingly put upon by her husband's antics. And it's like, well, why'd you fucking marry him then? You know, like, you clearly when you guys were dating, he was the same asshole, you know, like, and I get that you love him, but why not, like, hang out and wait until there's, you know, someone who you could just get along with and let it be, let it be simpler, you know? Yeah. But I guess that doesn't make for good sitcoms when people are just in happy marriages, so. Well, uh, best friends forever, there are good, happy relationships going on there with and it totally fucking works around Parks true. and Recreation Amy Poehler Adam Scott they're in a great happy relationship yeah. it's not impossible just do it yeah uh, uh, I, it just reminds me there's this there, that my my new biggest pet peeve that I ever I saw I saw an improv show and somebody they were having like a frustrating husband and wife scene and some the one turned to the other and goes I don't know why I married you you're like you don't really I don't believe this scene I don't like this scene right you have to have a reason just ground this just a little like ugh. yeah uh, and yeah, I, I think that applies over to life too. Right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, all right, let's. Uh, okay, so uh, after, I guess real quick after the first round of auditions, sure. uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how that goes. What are, What are you guys doing to pick your? Uh, however many get back to the callbacks. So um, after uh, you know, so we bring people in, in groups of eight. Everybody brings in a headshot with them. Mm-hmm. Um, after each group, we'll sort of go through and talk uh, uh, briefly about which people we think were. Uh, definitely in the yes pile for callbacks, which people we think are maybes and which people we think are definitely no's. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the night, we go through uh, all three stacks, uh, the yeses, the maybes, and the no's. And we go through and we talk, we look at who we have in the yes pile and say like, oh, you know, these people are all really strong. We look at the maybe pile and say like, you know, this person was in the maybe pile, but honestly, they were a lot stronger than some of these people we put in the yes pile lately, so maybe we move them over. Mm-hmm. Maybe some other people we put in the maybe pile and we go like, you know, they were really on the cusp. We think maybe they need another year to ripen or something. Right. Um, and we put them in the no pile. Uh, and then we do the same thing after the second day of auditions. And at the end of the second day of auditions, we go through all the piles again. And uh, <laughs> if there's, you know, teachers who are like, you know, I have this student in class. I think they're super strong. You know, uh, they, they. I think their first audition was like off. Like maybe they get they get moved up to a yes pile. We give them a second chance or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that's really all there is to it. You know, Simple and enough, yeah. at that point, we're not yet considering. Well, we have a lot of people who are like you know like wild cards or, or anything like that. Like that doesn't really even come into it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's that's really all there is to it. And then after callbacks. Then it gets like, you know, our, our maybe pile sort of stays in the running for a lot longer. Um, our no pile becomes kind of like a soft maybe pile. Um, and we start assembling teams, and then people get moved out of those. There really isn't like a flat-out yes pile. Like, I don't I don't think there's been in the past two years a single person who we've been like, oh, they're on a team no matter what. You know, it always comes down to, well, is this person of a performance caliber that we think is uh, acceptable for what we want to see on Herald Night? And then also, is there... A group of people that we think we can pair them with that we think would make a a solid team and there have been a lot of people in past years who we've thought have had great auditions and were great performers but for whatever reason we just don't feel like there's a good pairing for them when we're going to make up the uh the teams and uh they wind up not on a team you know and so it's it's much less science than I would like it to be, but also I guess at its core, it's an art form, and so that's probably <laughs> acceptable. But um, but it's a, it's a very squishy process, yeah. and everyone on the Herald Committee is 
uh, perhaps overly committed to having like you know very very quality teams on Herald Night. Um, and so a lot of times they'll go back and forth for hours over, you know, like team configurations. We'll try for a long time to get this group of people to work together and then be like, no, we got to scrap it and start over again or something like that. Um, but that's more or less all there is to it. There's no there's no magic. There's no secret cabal. There, yeah. Aside from paying Neil money for the pizza party, yeah, obviously. I was going to say, don't forget about that pizza yeah. and soda. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's none of this like... There's, there's no person. I think sometimes people worry that their personal relationships are going to get in the way with, you know, like if they've maybe like went on a couple weird dates with a member of the Herald Committee. Like, mm-hmm. it's very simple. If you've been on weird dates with a member of the Herald Committee, that member ex- recuses themselves from the discussion about sure. you. And then it doesn't matter, you know, like and no one on the Herald Committee wants to be that shitty guy or girl who's like, I have a problem with them personally. So no team, you know, like no one does that. No one gives enough of a shit. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that. Uh, you know, I don't know what rumors are circulating this year. I haven't heard any of the good ones yet. But, um, you know, that's that's all there is to the process. And it really does come down to how good was your performance and is there a place where we feel like you'll have chemistry with the team? And, you know, if they're, if those are both uh, yeses or or whatever the equivalent of that would be for the uh, dynamic I just set up, then, then you get on. And if not, then, you know, we let you wait for another year. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, this is a... Good uh, submitted question. Manfred Young, don't know, mm-hmm. um, said, uh, you know, how, how do you guys construct the chemistry of the teams? Because, uh, yeah, that, that is a hard process. You say you do a lot of shuffling around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's interesting, I didn't actually, I'm going to pause that question for just a second. Uh, you said that uh, you've never, in the past couple of years, you haven't had people that are like, definitely, yes, they're getting on a team. Or like, or like a huge consensus of just like this person needs to be on a team. We have people what? where there's huge consensuses, but you know we're also so open to the fact that an individual doesn't make a team; a team makes a team. Mm-hmm. You know, and so while there have definitely been people in past years who they've had auditions, we've been like, oh great, there we really we're really rooting for them. It's like we're rooting for them, but yeah. like even. You know, there's no there's no cabal to be like, oh, uh, Timothy did a great yes and he gets on a team no matter what because if there's not a place for Timothy, then there's not a place for Timothy, and yeah. that's the sad fact of the matter. Well, that, that's uh, I think that's an interesting, uh, maybe humbling thing for uh, people who are on here, I think, so people going through the process that it's like, uh, it's ultimately, yeah, it is a team thing. I think you can you can kind of easily lose that perspective and go, oh, I didn't make I didn't make a team. Uh, Maybe and if every you know if you're saying this thing of like oh it wasn't so much like we had to put this one person on then like it's maybe it's not as much an individual performer as it is like a, a team thing yeah uh, and you know it's and maybe to not take rejection so personally in yeah this one I, I really instance. do think like people take getting not put on a herald team really harshly and although this happens less and less with each passing year. There's always, like, the person who's had, like, one too many beers at Birds the the Monday night following auditions who pulls aside some member of the committee and gives them grief for ruining their life by not putting them on a Herald team. Yeah. And I will tell you this. If you don't want to be on a Herald team, that is a wonderful strategy to adopt. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I I think for the most part, not being put on a Herald team is is simply a... There wasn't a place for you, whether that's a you know, sheer performance thing. Like you need to, you know, take another 401 and just sort of work on your fundamentals or that's just a chemistry thing of, you know, we feel that your play style didn't really mesh well with the other people we got from the crop this year. You know, I, I think it's not, 
Yeah, I, I, none of us mean it to be the rejection that some people take it as, and I think that's something people should take into account. Yeah. Now, in terms of uh, how do we determine team chemistry, yeah. when we ask people to uh, apply for apply uh, to submit for Herald auditions, we ask them what teams they play with and lists of other people on those teams and who coaches those teams and where they do shows and that sort of stuff. And if we get like three or four people who you know we recognize play together well outside of Herald auditions, then we will try to clump them together on a team you know like yeah. uh, i think uh you know john Mackey, dan lippert and drew tarver are a good example on winslow this year you know like they had prior to herald auditions been doing uh the three-man tournament is tall tall small i've mm -hmm. uh, been doing a lot of indie shows around town is tall tall small um and we knew that and we knew that those guys liked playing with one another and that they would be excited to be on a team with one another um and it doesn't behoove us to split up people who have a natural chemistry with one another, and so we, we put them together. Yeah. Now, that's not to say... I'll pick on Dan Lippert, because I think he's an asshole, but... Uh, <laughs> but uh, Make a list. Yeah, David Christensen, <laughs> Dan Lippert. Damn. I was going to take the nicest guys at the theater and yeah. cut them down Just when they have no. no way to respond. Sounds of bitches. Um, but, you know, like, let's say, let's say, like, you know, Drew and John had really great auditions, and, and Dan didn't, then it's not like we would bump Dan up just for sake of his association with Drew and John, you know, it still yeah. comes down to can you can you handle playing with people on your own? Yeah, um, that was a, that was an interesting approach that I saw. I feel like a couple of years ago, or maybe a year ago, is that uh, people are going for the scatter shot of playing with everybody, uh, and it felt like that was very much the intention of like I'm going to play with a lot of people. Yeah. So once I put in that list of people that I play with, well. Yeah, uh, again, it'll be easy like, to fit me in anyway. Yeah, you know, and again, like we're not idiots. You know, yeah. like we, you know, we know the people who actually play on committed teams together, and like you know, we we all try to make a point of going to indie nights. Uh, I've been kind of bummed out because my teaching schedule precludes me from going to either uh, TNT Crash Bar or Room One Hundred and One for the past yeah. year. Um, and what else, what other indie show is there? Moving on with the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I refuse to go to Manifesto because of Dave Christensen. That's right. But um, but you know, I. You know, I, I just think that like that's part of it that we take into account. It's it's never going to be the the thing that bumps up a subpar player to somewhere that that we think is is great, and it's never going to be the thing that knocks somebody down. But that is like one of the things we take into account when we do chemistry. And again, if that doesn't work, if we feel like you know, if we were to be if we were putting Winslow together last year, and we were like, well, we have these three guys together because they have good chemistry, but it doesn't seem to really fit with the rest of this team. Like we wouldn't we wouldn't force those guys onto a team that we didn't think they would jibe with, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, uh, I had, I had the, all, the All of Kid Grift on the podcast a few weeks ago, and we were talking, and it was interesting, because, yeah, you could see that they had all sort of, in a weird way, had clumped together, like, one, if you did, like, a weird cross-section of it, but it would have been a beautiful graph. Yeah, but, like, yeah. Jason and Marissa, we knew, had yeah. played together a lot. Um, I had coached uh, uh, Zach Reno and Richie Root uh, right. together on a team where they had played together a lot in years past. Um uh, Matt Newell, uh, we were originally thinking of pairing up with Mary Holland, and then we, we wound up splitting them up for some reason just because we knew they played together a bunch. Um, and, you know, so it's like that's that's the stuff we take into account. And it doesn't – it's not – again, it's not a science. It's not like a recipe. You yeah. know, we couldn't if – it, if it were a science, we could look at the list of people auditioning before Harold auditions even started and save ourselves many, many hours of, of watching scenes yeah. uh, that weekend. But um, but it's not – you know, but those are, the, those are the factors that we take into consideration. Uh, what about uh, – 
I feel like, yeah, you guys mentioned things like the wild card. Well, I'm curious, what are the other things that come into that that conversation of like uh, types of players that may maybe want on you know, a team? We, we used to really focus on trying to balance teams out in terms of having like, you know, like two or three people who are drivers of scenes, you know, like four or five support players and maybe one or two wild cards, you mm-hmm. know, like the people that uh, Billy Merritt would, I think, sort of categorize as pirates, robots, and ninjas, you mm-hmm. know, where pirates are... Uh, the wild cards, robots are somewhere between a driver and a support player, and ninjas are somewhere between a wild card and a support player. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I think that what we found out was when we were doing that, we were we were not looking at a big enough picture of the team dynamic, and yeah. I think that we were treating it a little bit too methodically. And I think that we wound up with some team configurations that had very funny people on the team, all of whom were really great performers individually. But we kept having these teams that just didn't didn't quite work. And I don't want to I don't want to name names, but I'm sure if you thought back to the Herald Knight landscape from three or four or five years ago, mm-hmm. you would know what I'm talking about. Where there's teams where it's like, man, everyone on this team is fucking great. Like everyone on this team is a fantastic improviser. But as a team, they don't work. Yeah. Um, and so we still take that stuff into consideration a little bit, but much less so than we do uh, the, the chemistry issue. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, improv super collaborative art form. Uh, super collaborative art form. I'm disappointed with myself for saying that for some reason. It just sounds no, good. No, 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 it's super, collab- <laughs> super collaborative. Improv is super collaborative art form. <laughs> but, but, yeah, if you're, if you're kind of dismissing that in, in, a, in a weird way, just taking, like, the top ranked people or whatever it is in those those categories mm-hmm. and then hoping that it goes together uh yeah you're 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 hoping for that connection that you're hoping for the, the chemistry thing to form whereas i guess if you start from the chemistry approach I, like I, I said it i said it before like when i saw i think i saw kid grisp for a show and like they came out i was like holy crap these guys are coming out with like good energy and like it really does already feel like this strong team like it does feel like a team and, yeah. and I, I remember being impressed with that and i think that in the shift since then uh winslow and scandal they have a very a similar thing going like oh i get it like i get how yeah. this is a unit you know and it just it goes back to that thing we were saying earlier about uh you know like this is meant to be a fun thing you yeah. know like and if we're <laughs> if we're just sort of pairing people up without taking into consideration like well who would they pair themselves with naturally you know like who are people that these people gravitate towards when they don't have a committee who doesn't know them as well like yeah. why why would we throw out their knowledge of themselves and who they enjoy playing with in favor of what we've seen over the course of two days of auditions? You know, it, at one point that made a lot of sense. It seems sort of backwards, although well-intentioned now. Um, you know, and we, we do want people to be excited to go to rehearsal. We want rehearsal to feel like, oh, this is great. This is a, you know, like, like I used to love going to Sentimental Lady rehearsal uh, back when we all, our schedule still lined up enough to rehearse because it was like, yeah, I'm going to get to fucking hang out with people who I enjoy hanging out with for two hours. Yeah. And it'll be, like, kind of a structured hangout, but, like, no more so than if we were to go to, like, a bar trivia night or something like that, you right. know? And it would be really fun, and it would be like, I'm going to go fuck around with my friends. Like, this is my show and my rehearsal are two times a week when I know I'm going to be fucking around with friends who I really like and really get along with. Yeah. Um, and we want we want that to be how Harold Knight feels. We want that to be how Harold Rehearsal feels. We want that to be sort of the general vibe of things. Yeah, uh, it's. I, I said it in the interview with Kid Griff. Uh, they're they're instantly my my favorite, most adorable team because they sent me a message and they uh, we we're trying to figure out when we could get them all on. And they go, "Well, Wednesday to seven seven to nine is our hangout time. You can do it." There. <laughs> I was like, "You guys have hangout time? This yeah. is great." Uh, and 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 then and I had to clarify. And, but yeah, it's like a hangout time. They're they're friends, and that's kind of what it is on stage. When it shows on stage, it's like, "Well, that's great." Like, yeah, you, guys- you know, and you know. Uh, 
you're talking about uh, Rene Goubet earlier. You know, he had a really great audition last year, and when we were looking of places to put him, it was like, well, he had a really great audition. Jacob Womack had a really great audition. You know, we had just taken a couple people off of John Velvet, and we knew that uh, those two guys played together, and we knew that they had a lot of uh, play experience with uh, Nick Mandernack and Casey Fay from doing Hip Hop Penguin. So yeah. it was like, well, that's a Hip Hop Penguin's like a really committed group. Like those guys rehearse so much more than they need to, you know. Like, yeah. and they have a lot of fun together. Like, it would be criminal not to try to not to try to siphon that fun off, <laughs> you know, and, and try to make <laughs> Use it, it to for a profit. Team. Come on, um, you know. So I, I I think that stuff comes into consideration. But that having been said, like I don't think that people need to freak out if they don't. You know, if you're not on, like, some, like, Indie Night All-Star team or something like that, like, that's by no means a strike against you, you know. Uh, like, looking at Scandal last year, like, I think Ann Lane and Ali Gondor were both still in 401 when they got onto Scandal, oh, you know. Yeah. Like, I had, I had never seen either of them before, and they're both fantastic players. And we are yeah. like, well, let's, you know, put them on a team. And, um, you know, and so I, I don't think that people need to, like, freak out. And obviously it's too late if you are going to freak out at this point about putting together a team. But yeah. I think if you're already <laughs> in the community having fun with your friends and your friends are good improvisers and you're a good improviser and you guys all bring it to Herald Auditions, you have a pretty good chance of, of at least performing with people who you already have some kind of a rapport with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that people are freaking out to form teams, but right now people are freaking out to practice. Uh, yes. I've never seen more interest in practicing. Uh, and I... You know, I, I do. I, I booked the practice for a couple of groups I'm in, and uh, and it's like, oh, it's a lot. It's, it's been a lot of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know about this week, I don't know about this, and then now it's like, let's do two practices. And I think I'm like, ah, we could have been doing this all year. Yeah, I've gotten more <laughs> requests for coaching in the past week and a half than I have in the past six months cumulative. Oh, speaking of, are you free Saturday six to eight? Nope, sentimental lady show. Damn it. Well, <laughs> so. I don't think that's that important. Um, <laughs> sentimental lady Saturday yeah. is at seven at UCB Theater LA. Yeah, Check I it think out. That's the time our show's at. I should know these things. Yeah, you got you guys. You guys do the whole hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that show. I miss it. Um, I don't go enough. Anyway, um, how about, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, there's a couple other questions. I got I got an anonymously submitted question. Uh, and Neil also answered this. I think it's an easy answer. Uh, should someone audition if they're just coming out of 401 uh, and they don't feel like they're going to get on a team? Yeah. Why not? Okay. I mean, uh, you know, if... If nothing else, like, it's a good way to get on people's radar, you know, like, we definitely remember strong auditioners from year to year, and there have been a lot of people who one year will be in a maybe pile, and the next year when we start talking about, like, you know, uh, like, who's who's coming in, who we're excited to see, we'll be like, oh, this guy had, like, an audition that was just okay last year, but he was really close, and, mm-hmm. you know, if he's been keeping up with it, then maybe we'll see some more out of him. So, you know, I think even if you're a current 401 student and you personally don't feel that you're at a place where you're ready to be on a Herald team, it absolutely behooves you to audition. It, yeah. If you have, even if you have a terrible audition, that does not count against you the, the following year. And yeah. if nothing else, it gets you in the habit of having done a Herald audition, so that the next time you do it, you're that much more relaxed about the process. You're able to have that much more fun with it. I, I don't see, as a member of the Herald committee, I don't see any downside to a student auditioning if they're not ready. Nice. Um, yeah, I've done. I, I uh, my first year, I, I came out of four hundred one, and I actually sort of felt the same way that they kind of made this point, like they didn't want to take any spots 
uh, for the audition for people that I thought were talented. I had felt the same way coming out of four one. I'm like, oh, these people that I admire didn't get spots. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna compete with them. But but like yeah, looking back, I'm like those people that I gave up my spot for didn't even get on teams. Well, yeah. why not just practice and and uh, you know I've done I've done a number of uh, improv auditions. Unfortunately, not through UCB since. And it's it's really a fun and interesting experience. Like it's yeah, uh, it's worth doing to even like if for no end of potentially getting on a team. It's worth doing. You're just like, oh, this is really... It's weird when the dynamics change a little bit, you know? I mean, I think it's like the thing of, like, I went on commercial auditions for years. I did probably three years of, like, heavy commercial auditioning. Never booked a single fucking spot (laughs) once. Like, never once. Like, I think one time I was put on a veil for a non-union, like, commercial where I would have gotten slapped in the face by a fish. And, like, that was it. So close. Um, And, and, you know, it got to a point where it's like when I would see a breakdown for, like, Office Guy, I'd be like, they're not going to take the fucking dude with a full beard and camo shorts for Office Guy. You know, (laughs) like, but I would go in anyways just because it's it's good to get in the habit of being comfortable in an audition environment, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the same is absolutely true with... uh, uh, with Harold auditions, yeah, cutting your teeth. I mean, it's the same. The same as anything. You got to practice that. You're not. You're not good at anything the first time. Yeah, and you know, in speaking towards the point of being worried about taking audition spots from people who might, you know, in a, a, in a in a you know maybe auditioner's eyes uh, deserve it more. Yeah, we are very committed to making sure that everybody who signs up to audition gets a chance to audition. Uh, last year, we had two rooms running simultaneously on Friday night for several hours. Um, And this year, I believe the plan is to have two rooms running simultaneously for the entirety of Friday and maybe even some of Saturday if there's that much demand. So... You know, while I'm sure that I will, you know, bite my tongue after this next weekend because I've had to watch, you know, 1,700 hours of, uh, of two-person scenes. Yeah. Um, uh, if you uh, are eligible to audition and Harold, being on a Harold team is something that you want either now or for yourself in the future. And, you know, like, I don't think there's any reason not to audition. Great. I like it. Um, uh, how about this one? Uh, people... People can potentially audition with people that they know that you can request that. Yeah. Um, Josh McDonald asked, do you think that that's good? Obviously, you guys can kind of do it maybe for the group dynamics or so people can be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think that's, in a way, cheating? That was his question. I, I, I didn't necessarily get that. But uh, do you think? How, how about this? Do you think good thing, bad thing, auditioning with people? No, I think it's a good thing. You know, I think that if you have people who you're comfortable with on stage, if if nothing else, being in the room with them increases your confidence in your own play and that's going to lead to a better audition for you. You know, like, I've seen a lot of people who come into audition where they've had their entire audition group packed and it's been like their eight-person group that they've been rehearsing with for a couple months or something like that. And that's fine. I've also seen people come in where it's just like them and their buddy from class who they like doing scenes with the audition together, you know? And... Uh, you know, the Herald Committee is uh, pretty aware, you know, if we see a bunch of people audition together and then we look at their resumes and they're all on the same team that plays together all the time and they did well, we'll split them up in callbacks to see how they play with other people. Right. Um, but I think it absolutely behooves you and there's no reason not to do it. I, it's, I would be very surprised to hear that anyone on the Herald Committee thought of that as cheating in any way um you know but uh and again that's not to say that people who don't have like some solid audition group should get in their heads or anything like that but um yeah i think that's fine i don't think there's anything wrong with that yeah i i personally um chose not to add anybody to my to my list of uh people that i want to audition with uh not not because uh i didn't well yeah a little bit because i was worried about it but uh 
but and also I just frantically sent out that email as soon as I saw the thing. I'm like, I need to get it. Um, but but I, I kind of I personally feel like uh, there's a bit of an advantage going in that like that I I feel like I'm more patient with people uh, who are on my team who I work with a lot of, or like and like trying to understand or not getting out or not calling out stuff uh, and and not necessarily in a, in a bad way, but like I think I just let it go slower uh, mm-hmm. because they're my friends and I like. But with people, I feel like when I do auditions or other ways, and like kind of randoms, there's or like you do like lottery mashup teams, there's sort of that thing of where you'll be. It's just like a little bit sharper in that, you're like no, I'm not gonna let that thing slide. Maybe that's our thing. Yeah, you know. I I always say to my classes that the best thing you can do if you're feeling uh, unsure in your performance is to go do a jam because yeah. training yourself to people who you not only don't have a rapport with and and don't like have that established trust with but also who you specifically do not trust is a great way just to teach yourself how to play with anybody you know yeah. and I think that's something that that's important in an audition environment because even if you come in with like three people you don't want to be the shitty person in the audition who's like only pulling in their friends off the back line or refusing to step out of someone else who you don't know steps forward and does a scene that that would count against you yeah um but uh but to to come in there with friends and feel comfortable that's that's a great thing that's uh that's absolutely a positive thing i like it um all right well i don't know i guess if you have a few little questions to wrap it up i don't know is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered on uh Harold auditions or mm. improv. I mean, God, your your hair. Yeah, you know, wow. I, I just I I think the big thing to underscore with Harold auditions is like this is meant to be fun. You know, yeah. like and the fact that we have to have auditions is something that I think like makes people take it more seriously than it should be and I think it it sucks a little bit of the fun out of it for some people and I think that's kind of a bummer you know and I think like it's just that thing of like if you're auditioning for Harold Auditions the best mindset to go into it with is like this 15 minute audition slot that I have or whatever it is Neil probably said it's 30 or something like that I think it's 20 yeah, I believe that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like this, th- I'm going to have a fun 15-minute show. Like, I'm going to do a show for 15 minutes, and I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have fun with this group of people, mm-hmm. whether they're friends of mine or whether they're strangers. Like, I'm going to support the fuck out of their choices, and I'm going to make choices myself, and I'm going to roll with the punches and go with the flow, and it's going to be a good time. And I think if you go into it, like, being like, I need to do well at this so that I can get on a Herald team so that Lauren Michaels can put me on SNL by the time I turn 30 or something, <laughs> like... Yeah. That's that's just the wrong the wrong mindset, you know. And I think for people who are currently on Herald teams, I, I know that there's a lot of stress about like, you know, will will I make it through this round of auditions? Yeah. Um, you know, is our team on the block? Um, that sort of stuff. Uh, and again, I think it's that thing of like it's so out of your hands you know like all you can do is it, it really is you know like all you can do is have fun with your team and like you know really commit to them and really support them and do the best shows you can do and if you guys are having fun have a good dynamic like that's the best thing going for you you know um but i just i i really wish that there was some way to remove all of the stress surrounding Harold auditions from Harold auditions and we are constantly trying to think of ways to do that so far we've not been too successful but uh, that that is my thing is just don't stress about it there's always going to be another Harold audition and there's also if what you really want is to be a good performer there are so many other avenues besides being on a house team you know like get together with a group of friends you like find a coach whose sense of humor you approve of rehearse with them and sharpen on your own like don't wait for the theater's seal of approval to move forward with your comedy career yeah uh yeah it's 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 not 
in LA right now, it is not hard to do improv. It's not hard no. to keep it going. And, and that and wasn't the case be. five or six years ago. You know, yeah. like I think TNT just had their fifth anniversary, right? Or something like that. Yeah, or more than that even. But like honestly, like before TNT, the indie night scene was really sparse. And since yeah. then, there's been a you know a, just an explosion of indie nights. And so it's like, yeah, if what you really want is to perform, like you don't need Harold Knight to do it anymore. You know, yeah. like there are so many places where you can do that. Um, and you can do heralds at those places, you know? Like, yeah. So even if what you want to do is do heralds every week, like, great, set up a herald indie night. Find yeah. an indie night and, like, you know, get a team together and rehearse doing heralds and, yeah, and do that. There's a there's an indie night minor league herald night. They do, I think they're Saturdays. Uh, but yeah, they're, yeah. You know, there's, a, there's a whole night dedicated to heralds. Exactly, so. you know, there's, so there's I think just the big thing is just don't stress. Like, the, your, your goal as an improviser should be to be the best performer you can be, to hone your comedic instincts, to find your voice as a comedian, and herald teams are one of many ways to do that and I think the more that people accept that the less stressful they, they are I like it um, alright well, how about it? <laughs> say somebody just got on a team uh, uh, what, are, what, are, what is your message for them for the, uh, so people can look in the future and they they just got on a team and what like what do you what do you say to them? Uh, I think something nobody really preps you for is that uh, being on a herald team can be very stressful sometimes at the start because yeah. you're being paired up with you know seven other people who you may or may not know and who you may or may not know well and who you may or may not have pre-existing relationships with and uh, you know the, I think probably the best piece of advice I could say is. Uh, be open to the fact that everybody who is on this team wants the same thing as you, and that is to do good shows week in, week out, and to feel good about themselves after they do shows week in, week out. And there's going to be growing pains, you know, even for teams that, like, get along super well, like, even just because, like, you know, like, and I'll, I'll look to Kid Griff, like, I, I coached them when they were first put together, like, they always got along super well. They didn't always play super tight games, you know? Like, yeah. there was still work to do. It's not like, you know, they got put together on a team and then were just amazing. Like, those guys are amazing because they got along with each other and were willing to put up with each other for long enough to get to the point where they could work really well together. And they were all willing to clear their schedules and rehearse twice a week, not only when the team first got put together, but then to continue doing that for the entirety of the year that I coached them. And I think so long as you're really willing to commit to your team and by commit I don't just mean putting in the time I mean like really being open to growing as a performer and really accepting notes from your coach and really trying to find ways to work with people that challenge you you know so that you're not just you know coming up at loggerheads with with certain people on the team time and time again I think so long as you're really willing to be open you'll have a positive herald experience I think the people who don't have positive herald experiences are ones who come into it going like this is how I play you need to get used to it Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's kind of a shitty attitude and I think so long as you don't have that kind of an attitude, you're in good shape. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, sometimes I feel like, yeah, people view that getting on the Herald team as sort of the end of the road or like uh, uh, that, that thing you're done. It's, yeah, the work's never really done. It's a, if you're at any level, like at any level, you're going to keep on doing work. I'm sure Steven Spielberg, when he goes to his next movie, is not going to be like, I've got that. Maybe he does. I don't know. But I'm sure, you know, you, you it's it's more work at every level. And oh, every yeah. time you take a step up, you have to put in that effort. And it probably won't be... Uh, it'll be good, but I don't know it'll be instantly like, ah, this is what I've been doing all along. I can relax and enjoy. Yeah, I mean, for- I'll cite my personal experience with Convoy. Like, we were an indie team, and then we were a cage match team, and, and now we're a house team. And 
we are so hard on ourselves after shows. Like, yeah. we're by no means at a point where we finish a show and we just go like, yeah, okay, let's go have a beer. Like, we still sit down for like 10 minutes and go like, oh, that was good. These things were off, you know? Like, mm. these things didn't work super well. We, we need to work on this for next week. And before every show, we sit down and we talk like, how was the last show we did? Like, what was good about it? What was not good about it? How can we change that? Are we falling into any ruts? Are there any go-tos that we've been leaning on too much lately? Um, and I think that... Uh, yeah, it's just like you said. Like, there's there is no end of the road. You know, you're never going to reach a point if you're a if you're committed to to improving yourself. You're never going to reach a point where you think you're fucking great. And if you do, like, I don't know, that's kind of boring. You know, like <laughs> like I think there's always room for improvement. You know, like I I hope to never reach a point as an improviser where I think that 100 percent of the stuff that comes out of my mouth is great. Because if that happens, I think it means I've stopped paying attention to what's really going on. Yeah, uh, you know, I think if you uh, you know, years ago, like maybe right after we graduated college, you know, uh, Alex Fernie, uh, made some, some comment in passing to me that has always really st stuck with me. It's like, you know, if you're not disappointed in at least half of your shows, you're probably getting complacent, you know? <laughs> and I think that's very true. You know, like uh, you, you need to, you know, if you're, I need Alex Fernie as a coach, he gets me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like I think you really just kind of got to be really self-critical with yourself and, Although the stuff I do now as an improviser is probably leagues better than what I could have ever even hoped to do when I, I first started out. That doesn't mean that I don't still have room to improve, and that doesn't mean that I should just rest on, on the fact that I'm better than I was six years ago. Like, that's a yeah. big deal, you know? Like the, 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 the process of growing, like, I listened to some old episodes kind of actually preparing for this one, uh, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, I was in a completely different space uh, a year ago doing this, uh, talking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Wasn't what not? It was like I was I was worse, and now I'm like oh I'm better. Let's be more better next year because it's a good feeling to have yeah. that like more betterness. <laughs> I, I think I think you know I I can't speak as much to sketch or stand up because I don't I don't do those as much. But um, uh, you know I think improv is really uh, good. Improvisers are really in the moment, you know. And I think that if you get complacent, then you're presuming that this moment is the same as many other moments you've experienced before. And by moment, I think you can take that to mean moment on stage or moment in your life. You know, whatever whatever uh, scale of magnification you choose. Um, but I think as a good improviser, you're constantly growing and constantly accepting the fact that you're different now than you were yesterday or Saturday or, or last year or the year before or when you were on your short form team that your college really loved. You know, yeah. like I think so long as you're just like Vassar improv for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me say this. I love the Vassar improv. Like I'm very glad I have not rested on my haunches and just been like, ah, we were great in 03, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh you know, I, I think so long as you're just really willing to be in the moment and of the moment and fully aware of the moment, uh, it, you'll be in good shape. Nice. Um, okay, what about the other, the other shoe on the foot there? Uh, what if somebody didn't get on a, a team? If someone uh, doesn't get on a team? someone doesn't get on a team, yeah. I mean, sure, that people, people deal with that in a number of ways. What would you say? Uh, don't beat yourself up. Okay. Uh, uh, don't beat yourself up. Don't blame the Herald Committee for you not getting on a team. Yeah, like, let's not be mean to anybody. I, just do weird. That, sound, that just sounds crazy to I me. I have gotten in the habit of just avoiding the theater for the week after Herald auditions because, like, people give you the fucking stink eye, you wow. know? Like, And it's it's always the people who you're like, oh, like, it's not like you were... So, like, if it was someone, like, who was really close to getting on a team and, you know, they ran into, like, the chemistry issue or something like that, like... That's a little bit more excusable, honestly, because mm. it's like, you know what? You're a very good improviser. You're certainly as talented as anyone else on that stage. Like, I understand feeling a little bit down about it. Uh, yeah. If you feel that you're in that pool, I would say, like, 
audition again next year, you know, like, and accept the fact that uh, you, no matter how good you are, you still have improvements you can make as a performer. And, you know, like, so be honest with yourself about what are your weaknesses, email a teacher who you feel close to, you know, who you feel will be honest with you and who you've had recently, who you can say to like, Hey, I didn't get on a Herald team. Like, you know, just, you know, me as a performer from the past year pretty well. Like, is there anything that you think I could be working on? Do you think there's anything I could spot check? Like rather than take it as like a, well, I'm fucking perfect. Those guys must be assholes. Like admit that nobody's perfect, you know? And like, and you know, maybe we overlooked something, but maybe your performance was not up to snuff and maybe there's stuff you can work on there. If you feel, if you didn't get called back, I would say the same thing, you know, like don't get indignant about it. We don't mean it as a personal rebuke or anything like that. You know, we're, much more objective than you might think and i think again like you know try to reach out to a teacher or a coach who knows you well and say like hey like i didn't get called back for heralds this year is there anything that you think i could i could work on better you know and accept those notes you know i think a lot of times people reach out for those kinds of notes and then go like ah yeah you know whatever and and don't really take them but uh you know i think if you don't get on if you don't get called back or you don't get on a team or you you do get called back you don't get on a team uh, or you get on a team and that team winds up getting broken up. You know, like, I think don't let it get you down. Like, it's by no means the end of the road, uh, just as getting on a team is not the end of the road. It's just part of your process. And yeah. everyone's process is completely different. Everyone's path is completely different. And just accept that to mean that your path this year means not being on a Herald team, you know, or not yeah. getting called back. And let that uh, strengthen you and strengthen your resolve rather than, than emptying you of resolve, which is, I think, unfortunately, the effect it has for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I th- I feel it's it's easy. I think it's easy to give. It's easier to give up, but uh, I think the people who uh, will persist in the end just can't help it. Like I, I told I told, told this to Neil. Like I got rejected for mod the first the first year I, I applied and I submitted my packet and it was like the first packet and I was like uh, I, I got the email like right when I was sitting down to see a show. And I'm like oh, I hate these guys. I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, and then and then like by the end of the show I'm like gosh, I wonder. This idea for a sketch. <laughs> it's like, oh, you got to keep working yeah. at it. That's I mean, what it people is. Get, people get really bitter about it, and it's like, I, I think that's understandable. I'm not trying to say those people are idiots or anything, but people get really bitter about it, and then they let that bitterness affect this thing that's supposed to be fun, you yeah. know? And it's like, well, I don't know, yeah. like you know, it's like, well, it's like when nobody, you put, that's the thing. That's what frustrates me about it more than anything is nobody's really stopping you from doing improv. That's that's yeah. like so like monumental to me is like nobody has actually taken away your improv card nobody's yeah. like gonna block you at the door of the manifesto show Friday nights uh, nobody's yeah. gonna do that they should because <laughs> Dave Christensen is a racist yeah that's what and a saying. child molester but oh. you know I, I think it's that thing of like it's you know like it's yeah so you're not on a Herald team but there's still a thousand ways that, in which you can do improv and like prove us wrong yeah. you know like prove us wrong if you really think that like you deserve to be on a team then prove us wrong put together a team of the people who you like and you know who are in your social circle who you think are really strong players find a coach that's not going to blow smoke up your ass you know like get better like have a team that starts doing the circuits at indie nights like regularly enough that we're aware of them you know like and maybe when next year comes around like maybe you'll be a better performer because you've put that much more effort into your performance you know um but but whatever you do i think don't let it don't get bitter about it don't let it stop you from doing this thing if this is something that you love and you know, like I think, just follow the fun, and, and you'll be okay. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I mean, you say you say get back and prove it. That's I, the, to me, Convoy is a super inspirational team in that just like you guys basically won your spot at the theater. You and, uh, you know may, maybe we that's got a very lucky. It was a very different time. At the well, theater. you know, but I mean, whatever. That's 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 weeks and weeks and months and year over a year of 
really work. Uh, that you please the crowd, and it's like, well, if you could do that, then it'd be hard to it'd be hard to ignore you and not put you somewhere. Yeah, uh, and and maybe yeah, it's, it, that's sure that's a different time, but you can probably take a lesson away from it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think you know the convoy was an indie team in an era where there weren't very many indie shows, uh, and you know, cage matches were sort of the only opportunity for indie teams to get up. And now there's a thousand opportunities for indie teams to get up. And I think that if you play well and you uh, support your teammates and you guys have fun, you'll draw crowds. You'll be invited to more shows, and then you'll be on the radar more for next year. You yeah, know? but uh, don't don't get bitter and don't pull us aside at birds and tell us why we're ruining your life. Yeah, because if you're doing that, we're not ruining your life. You're ruining your fucking life. And I, for one, will be a very unsympathetic ear. But I also won't be a bird, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, uh, I, I heard this story on uh, the Used to Be New York podcast. Uh, do you guys ever reach out to... Uh, uh, reach out to people who have after auditions uh, and say hey like you did good I don't know if that's a thing and maybe if you don't like that we can cut this out completely no 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 no, no. we do um, uh, that's that's mostly on Neil um, yeah uh, like some you know uh, the rest of the Herald Committee I know will do it individually like if they have a student who did really well you yeah. know who they either currently have in class or have like you know a, a friendly relationship with like um, yeah. I've absolutely reached out to people be like hey you didn't make it on a team this time but like you did really well everyone in the room liked you um, and there have been times where we've reached out to people and been like hey like you know we can't wait to see what you do next year and then we get bummed out when they don't do anything in the intervening year you know yeah. when they rest on their haunches and don't take any more classes or don't practice with any groups you know um so yeah we absolutely do reach out to people who we think did well and just for whatever reason didn't get onto teams um that's not to say that if you're not reached out to after auditions that you're not someone who was thought highly of in the room um but uh but nothing bums us out more than seeing someone come very close in like you know 2011 and then come back in 2012 and try to be like riding their own coattails from their near miss. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's it's very weird and it happens more frequently than I'd like to see, but um but what we really love is when someone gets close and rather than, you know, being like, ah, fuck it all, they come back the next year and nail it. You know, and I'll cite Renee as someone who the year before he was put on a team had a, had a great audition but just wasn't quite there. Yeah. Um, and rather than, like, getting bitter and pissed off about it, like, he kept working with Shakedown and kept working on his own stuff and having fun with it and came back the next year and just fucking nailed it, you know? Yeah. Like, and I wish that... Everybody who didn't get onto a team would have that kind of drive and that kind of commitment and that kind of ability just to go like, okay, fuck it. I'll do other stuff for the year in between and I'll try again next time. You know, yeah. like I, I think that's a great thing. Nice. Um, all right. Uh, this is a new segment that has been introduced since you were first on it. Uh, Pearls of Wisdom segment. Uh, sure, a sure. A note or uh, uh, some feedback that you got that was uh, effective to you or something that you thought like, oh, this is great. I oh, should start I, implementing. I'm sure you have plenty. I, I cite this all the time, but my favorite note I've ever gotten uh, was from Seth Morris uh, when I was a 201 student um, right after the theater opened up. And I can't remember at this point if he said it to me specifically or if it feels like a note he was probably saying to the class at large. But uh, his thing, uh, his big thing was to be a good improviser, you need to be a good observer of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that it happens very frequently where, you know, someone wants to be a comedian and they obsess over comedy and they spend all their time at UCB, which is great. And, you know, they watch a shitload of shows, which is great, but they don't 
do any life stuff, you know, and it sort of becomes like this snake eating its own tail where like the comedy they're generating is based on comedy they have absorbed. Yeah. And it's not based on, and maybe that was based on reality, but now they're getting to reality like by proxy through someone else's lens. And, you know, I think the more that, like I have an advanced study uh, class right now that I, uh, make them watch uh, documentaries, uh, you know, about like weird people, and I make them uh, people watch. You know, like yeah. I make them go out into the world and try to find like weirdos in real life who behave in ways that are absolutely strange, um, but like much less strange than I think a lot of us would throw into um, an improv scene. You yeah. know, and I just that that note has really uh, stuck with me. I mean, I would have gotten that note in oh five or oh six yeah um that note is really stuck with me because i think it's just exceedingly true i think the the most interesting stuff you see on stage is stuff that comes really close to approximating a real human interaction even though some aspect of it is totally fucking weird and i think this the stuff that you see that falls short or doesn't ring as true is the stuff that approximates a jokey reaction to something weird you know mm. Um, you know, and I, uh, I, I'm fond of citing the movie uh, Children of Men as a movie that has one unusual thing in it. Yeah. And they make a really believable world off of that one unusual thing, you know? And it's, they don't play it for a joke. They don't try to play it for, like, you know, anything beyond what it is, like a fucked up situation where no one can have kids anymore, you know? Like, yeah. And people dealing with it in very human ways. And I think improv scenes are the same way. Let there be one unusual thing just and then deal with it as you would in life like yeah. don't don't try to have it be like okay so this bigfoot's got an erection and then on top of that like the uh, you know this hunter is super into jacking off bigfoot like yeah. it's probably going to be a fun scene but like much much funnier to me at least would be a hunter who's like oh oh yeah. <laughs> this is so weird you know like <laughs> like you know like i i just i like that real that real reaction so much and i think people sort of throw that aside or think that's sort of boring and I, I, I fundamentally disagree. Yeah, you know, when the, when the comedy's already in the scene, it's, it's you keep it. Like, you don't, it's, it's yeah, at a certain point you're di you're really quickly diluting it with other crazy stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I think Gene Wilder uh, uh, had a pretty good perspective on it um, in his book, uh, in his autobiography, Kiss Me Like a Stranger. He's got a book? It's great. Jacob Reed re recommended it to me okay. and it's fantastic. I wound up Bad writing that. Gene Wilder a fan letter after reading it. Um, but, uh, you know, he says in Kiss Me Like a Stranger, he's talking about um, everything you always wanted to know about sex but were afraid to ask. Uh, Woody Allen film and what she does, yeah. uh, several scenes with a sheep. Um, and he plays it dead real. He plays it as real as he would play it if you are playing it with a human being. And his thing is like, well, if something's already funny there, you don't need to play it funny to make it funny. It's already funny. You may as yeah. well play it real so that we can appreciate how funny that thing is, you know, like... It won't stand out if everything's fucking ridiculous. You yeah. need to have something that's normal so we can appreciate the stuff that's abnormal. I like it. Um, all right. Well, I guess I guess that's uh, that's about everything. Unless there's anything that you want to say. Uh, yeah. Just if if you are going to pay Neil off, uh, we appreciate <laughs> uh, a variety of bills so that when we do tip the pizza guy for uh, for bringing <laughs> the pizza, it's not that awkward thing of like oh. You know, here's 200 bucks, but, you know, give me 13 back or yeah. something like that. Like, we can just hand them exact, exact change, change of what we think is a fair tip. Yeah, that's really um, nice. So, yeah, if you're paying off Neil, um, if you haven't already done so, uh, try to hunt down and sleep with as many members of the Herald Committee as you can. <laughs> and just be really giving. Just be really giving, um, you know, in, in your in your sexual practices. That's nice, um, yeah. And uh, absolutely, uh, you know, like, if you can't, 
you know, find time in your schedule to, to sleep with uh, Herald committee members or to raise the money to pay off Neil. Um, I think just like practice and have fun with your comedy, I guess would be like my last, my last ditch bit of advice. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but, you know, I think ultimately we could all agree that practicing and having fun with your comedy and taking it, taking the art of having fun seriously probably won't get you as far as a last minute grab, you know, such as like a, a you know, just a really like a spontaneous blow job <laughs> or like a $50 bill with like a winky eye drawn on Grant's face or That's something like idea, that. Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah. I like it. Cool. Um, uh, any update on the book? I, I forgot about that because last year we were talking about it. It used to be a book and uh, I'm sad that it's not around. No, and I, want I, it real I keep bad. hearing it's like almost there. You know, like <laughs> it's the, the UCB book is like the Arrested Development movie reunion <laughs> or like the next season of Venture Brothers. Like it is perpetually one step away, uh, I, yeah. you know, and I think it's sort of like a Zeno's paradox in, in that it will always be very close, but never quite here. Yeah. Um, but I can't wait for it to come out because I at least when I read it it was a phenomenal and phenomenally detailed and analytic um, uh, uh, assessment of the game and the Herald and scene work and for someone with my sort of uh, you know uh, analytical mind I, I found it very helpful um, and I would love for students to get the chance to read it so but right. that, I, I honestly have no idea I don't think I've heard anything about it in at least six months That's sad all right. Well, Alex, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I got Kiss Me Like a Stranger. It's coming on Monday. Nice. Hey, wasn't that a great talk? I think I should make it a tradition to get him on at least once a year because Alex Berg is the best. A uh, few plugs for upcoming shows of mine. I'm doing Crash Bar November 4th with Sticks Martin. I'm doing two shows at Comedy Sports November 5th and 12th, both at 9 p.m. Come check those out. And what else is on my calendar? You know what? Those are too far ahead. That's it. Uh, happy improvising, guys. Good luck in auditions. I know you're going to be great. Uh, no one's going to kick you out of improv if you're not perfect. Uh, it's a golden age of improv. Be excellent to each other. Uh, yeah, you know what? Seriously, does anybody have any open spots on their teams? Because I'll do it. I'm not busy enough. All right. Bye. Want to hear your favorite funny people paired with wine? Want to just hear them whine about something? Hi, I'm Ellen Clifford. Hi, I'm Sean Buckholtz. We're the hosts of The Wine Situation. That's wine with an H. We've had Morgan Murphy. Drew Drogi. Brian Safi. Charlie Tanners and Camille Knox. Paul F. Tompkins and Janie Haddad Tompkins. Melanie Linsky. They all told us their wines. And we told them about wine. It's totally boozy study hall. So get it everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. That's The Wine Situation. Wine Wine with with an H. H. Cheers. Cheers!